And then I said, no, you were supposed to carve his pumpkin. So now his rabbit's got a face scratched into the back yeah. of it. And it didn't, I'll be honest, it's a miracle it survived. Yeah. Um, and it's got one hell of a story to tell. <laughs> it's got a smiley true, face on true. its arse. However, is, yeah, yeah. rabbits can't speak. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder what they would say. Like if these Oh, stop carving a face into me bum! That that definitely <laughs> Or alternatively, I think what they do is they turn to the microphone and say, Welcome everybody to Big Damn Cast. Uh, I'm Christopher uh, when the crypt doors creak and the tombstones quake, Johnson. I am uh, three rabbits in a trench coat pretending to be a badger. And we are here to wish you happy, happy Halloween. Halloween, Halloween, happy, happy Halloween, a silver shamrock. Um, uh, yeah. This this is a Halloween episode, folks. Drink it in, because fucking Drink nothing scary is happening all, right now. Well, the world is scary enough yeah. for us to talk about anything. So I don't know. Oh? I did see one terrifying thing this week. For realsies? Yeah, the trailer for Uncharted. Oh, shit. We're we'll talking about that. We're definitely going to touch on that. Uh, later on as well, Matt is going to be giving us a review and then a spoiler-filled little nugwat. I'm going to tell you what happens. Of Halloween kills. Halloween does um, kill. Which is topical, but there really isn't much spoop stuff going on It's not on really this topical. Week. It's more audio-visual. It's only topical if you put it on your skin. It's true. So just to... <laughs> just to <laughs> Just to try and up the spoops ante here. Yeah. Uh, and she is a spoopy ante. I have got... Well, first off, I'm going to turn the mic down because I've, I've just realised we're still on the same as we were last week there were three of us in this room. So that'll be fun. Uh, but secondly, um, I've, I've got an inflatable pumpkin here. Oh. And as this episode will be going out on the 28th slash 29th of October, respectively. Oh. Uh, I thought we'd best get a decoration on. So. Hallowsy. I'm going to be periodically... Uh, in exhaling into this um i'd share it between us but that would be responsible in the era of covid and also uh i ate a lot of onions in my tea and i don't want you to smell them actual pumpkin thank you you're the great pumpkin charlie the great pumpkin (laughs) i am how you call it the pump king um, oh shitting hell but oh, also yeah. uh, I, oh, I want to give you a, bloody hell if you're looking for something scary to play for all the wrong reasons uh, I'll give you a little review rundown as well Doctor Who the Edge of Reality because I have now completed <laughs> it and I've even gone back in after the first patch to uh, do a bit of a trophy run and uh, I have things to say but first could you explain to the people what Sony shat out onto our plates <laughs> this week what Sony pictures went I think people will like this well, but we all went, we want that trailer of, you know, the Tom Holland movie. And they went, oh, you mean this one? Yeah. So, <gasps> the long in development um, Uncharted movie that has had Mark Wahlberg attached for so long that he's now aged out of the lead role, finally got a trailer this week. And to the surprise of absolutely no one, it looks fine if it wasn't an Uncharted movie. But as an Uncharted movie, it looks 
horrendously miscast, with the possible exception of Naomi Scott as Chloe. Although we have yet to really see it all in practice, I yeah. suppose. Um, for me, um, I'm open as well to Antonio Banderas as the villain, because it's an original character. And it's Antonio Banderas. And as soon as they said yeah. he's the villain in the Uncharted movie, I was like, that's perfect casting already, because yeah. he will play the perfect kind of like archetypal Uncharted villain with actual class and swagger and it'd be sexy mm-hmm. as fuck because it's Antonio Banderas and it's like, bring it on. But do you know what is apparently too much to ask? Mark Wahlberg's got a fucking moustache. Yep. Yep. And what's really... Even though we've seen stuff of him in real life with a moustache. Like, it happens. It's like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It happened. <laughs> but it didn't happen in fucking the Uncharted movie where he's playing a character who, in all other depictions of him in all of the media, has a fucking moustache. I don't tend to get hung up on details like this, but it's just so... It's such a small Matt, thing to what? not fucking bother with. Welcome to my why is Woody Harrelson a teenager in the 90s like level of annoyance. It's it's so... No, because that's something you're like, <laughs> oh, that... You think about it and it feels weird, but it's something you just literally look at a picture of Sully from any of the games, yeah. from any of the spin-off media, now, whatever. That fucking car game they did. To be fair, he's now... It's a younger Sully... Earlier in Sully's story, maybe he's not grown the most. Well, here's the thing. Well, here's the thing. The wonderful full fat videos on YouTube yeah. has a theory. What's the and theory? And I think they're absolutely correct. What's the What's it absolutely correct? He's going to grow a bit of facial hair at some point, or someone in the film's going to go, well, you, you probably look better with a moustache. And he's going to be like, oh no. And then at the end of the movie, there's going to be a scene at the end or a mid credit scene where he's in it and he's sort of growing his facial hair out a bit not not necessarily even the full tash but just grow it out a bit and he's like I don't know I'm thinking of kind of trimming it down what do you think and it will be like a "Ah? you want to come see a sequel fans because he'll he'll have the moustache in the sequel except this seems to be retconning the first meeting of that's the thing yeah Nate and uh, Sully because when they first meet in the games it's a flashback in Uncharted 3 yeah and, and Kid Sully Nate. already has a fucking mustache. Uh-huh. And Nate's and like Kid 14, Nate is way younger. Thirteen. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Chronologically, that's the earliest sequence in the games from my memory. And well, the, except, the flashback at the for... orphanage in number four is sometime after that. No, it's before that. Is it just before? I thought it was just after. It's way like, before Nate, it because Nate, Nate is younger. Nate goes in and out of of um, foster care. For no, a but bit, Sam's the eldest. So in True. that flashback, Sam well, is like yeah. fourteen. That's the thing and too. And then Nate is like ten. 10 or 11 or something so it's like oh crap oh crap he doesn't even say that properly but we'll get to that um well that's the thing as well they've merged sort of the plot of number three's flashbacks also with, so they can with have the through line the plot of the flashbacks of falling out oh, I don't yeah. know started on that yeah. with, with the through line of the flashbacks and the act one plot of uncharted 4 um which is the Long lost brother Sam. Sam's yeah. left him clues. Yeah. Uh, uh, we don't even know if Sam's going to be in the film. So I think Sam's going to be the Peter Parker's parents were spies thing. I think that's going to be the thing they drag out into the next movie. They'll, they'll make that the plot of the Uncharted series is him trying to find his brother. You know what I think, though? Instead of, you know, just a sarcastic bit of a dickhead treasure hunter and is really charismatic and fucking hilarious like older mentor figure occasionally working with other ridiculously sexy and charismatic rogues and other treasure hunters along the way mm. fighting asshole villains and meeting like the most kick-ass 
uh, news anchors slash uh, camera team of all time and mm. following them through to an organic and brilliantly told romance story over the course of several chapters that feels so genuine and earned that by the epilogue of the final entry in the series for the lead character, you're like, yep, yeah, this is wrapped up in such a neat little bow. I went on a great journey with these guys and I can't wait to play it all again from scratch. Instead, he doesn't have any friends. I should know I'm one of them. That line of dialogue doesn't make any sense, and you put it in your trailer. You put it in your tra- you put that slap bang in your trailer. Now, people who don't know the character of Chloe are going to associate that line of dialogue with Chloe. Christopher, describe the fan facial expression to the audience. Matt's face is sort of. It, 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 if there were a, if there were a setting below neutral where you seemingly not feeling anything but deep down part of you is crying that's what he's got going on and his his slightly only slightly furrowed brow if i read it like one with a palm is saying nathan fillion was right there guys he was right there can't we just <laughs> listen sony sony can we can we <clears throat> just not can we just not do it this is a playstation studios film as well it's oh like, yeah, because like Ratchet their... and Clank worked out so well for him. Oh, here's the thing: Ratchet and Clank is a perfectly fine animated uh, animated movie. The problem yeah, is, no one fucking watched it. The problem is, it was a mediocre um, uh, alternative when compared to the game. It was an adaptation slash yeah, joint yeah. release to. Um, so you fucking right. It was also like the first ever case of oh, the movie, the movie's tying into the game instead of oh yeah, the games are tie in for the movie. It's the movie of the game of the game of the movie. Yeah. The Ratchet and Clank film is fine, but then you play the game and you go, no, this is incredible. That was like the, yeah. that, you know, what, yeah. I'm, what, I'm, what I'm playing now is like the action figure that mum bought for me in the toy aisle compared to the Happy Meal toy version that I saw in the cinema. Yeah. That it's like, it'll suffice, Not but this is way better and is what it should look like and do. And it doesn't smell of uh, Grimace's farts. Ah, Grimace, a single taste bud. Full Fart Videos as well fired. suggested, you know, if you go for Fillion, and you know who you should have got for, for Sully? Because he basically played the same character in Burn Notice minus a moustache. Who's that? Bruce Campbell. Current Bruce Campbell with a tash in a Hawaiian shirt, which we've seen him wearing countless projects, including Burn Notice, and its spin-off TV movie, like prequel featuring his character in the lead. Is basically playing Sully in that movie, in that show, anyway. Jesus. Bruce Campbell opposite Nathan Fillion, and you just said it. You said it as a little bonus adventure. You set it post Uncharted Four, pre Uncharted Four's epilogue. Just little, 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 you know. So then it's a you've got the time honored cinema trope of the guy who's done with this stuff. He's out of it, but he's sort of itching to try it one more time. Is pulled into something where he has to do it to. Save the day, recover something that's been lost, right or wrong. So you get that itch scratched. You can comfortably fit it in with the canon of the games if you wanted, which in itself means you're not just taking stuff from the games that people already love, who when they see you're just doing that again in the film go, but I've done this already. You know what I was thinking post The Suicide Squad? (laughs) Oh God. Joel Kinnaman. Do you know what? After The Suicide Squad, yes, as Nathan... Yeah. Yeah. And then Bruce Campbell is Sully. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Joel Rick Flag in the Suicide Squad like is sort of Nate adjacent. Yeah. 
God, that's a really good shout. Nate Jason. Nate Jason. Nate Jason. Ba ba ba. Yeah. He's the Nate. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's the kiss it. of death. But let's not talk from about Mr. Guns for Lips. Dun, dun, dun. Let's, oh. let's not talk about the Uncharted trailer anymore because it's poor and silly. Can we, can we talk about the fact that they they do a joke from a no. James Bond movie, but worse? No, we can't okay. talk about it. Okay. I'm putting an Uncharted moratorium on this rest of this. In case you can't but... tell, we've played <laughs> we played the Uncharted games. And we really like them, so this is depressing. It's depressing that, it depressing. that this is so wide of the mark. I'm sad. This is my sad face. Also, um, I like the I like the end joke with the uh, the Scottish fella and Nate not quite understanding it. But I just wish he hadn't said, "I will give you a real Scottish welcome." To just because it feels like a very we're holding the American audience's hand to let them know yeah, he's Scottish. Line yeah, yeah. he could have just basically threatened him and done what he does without going, "I am Scottish." In it, that would have been I enough. Am. Yeah, because then you're playing yeah. off you're playing off the joke of American ignorance to European accents, and you can play off that. Christopher, yeah. considering we said we're not going to talk about this anymore, we're still fucking talking about it! So no, but do you, know, do you know what it did make me want to do? Do you know what it did make me want to do? What's that? Go back and play the Uncharted series. Yeah, I could go back and play the Uncharted series. Which, like right which would make me very happy. The problem is, as I turned on my PS5 to, to load up the Nathan Drake collection, yes. a patch came through for a game that I'd completed a week before. Uh-oh. A game called Doctor Who... The Edge of Reality. Oh, yeah, I've heard you talk about this in a not very nice way. <laughs> Tell me about how not very nice it is. So in 2019... Uh, May- ah, those halcyon days. Those halcyon days. Maze Theory uh, released a Doctor Who game for PlayStation VR, uh, an Oculus called Doctor Who The Edge of Time. Yeah, the Edge of Tim. Which is a self-contained story where you, the protagonist, are in a London laundrette and are suddenly approached over the comms by the 13th Doctor who tells you that shit is going down. Oh, is it a Dimensions in Time sequel? No. Uh, If there had been a reference to it, I would have given it points. Uh, Shit is going down and there are three time crystals have been scattered throughout three periods in history on different planets. A whole three crystals? You are the person who's being recruited because you've done this before. And you're like, what does that mean? So, the first one, time shifts and you're in the middle of a Dalek occupation of London sometime in the near future. Yeah. Subtly implied to be around the time of Dalek invasion of Earth. 2150 AD. Uh, no, the TV no. one. No. But they're the modern series Daleks, so that's a bit weird, but whatever. Like, the ships are old school, like, sorcery ones, though, so it's like, that's cool. Redcon! Um, you go around this junkyard, you find bits and pieces, you eventually get out uh, to Totter's Lane and create a device that boosts the signal that the TARDIS can get to you. Because the Doctor ain't there anymore. She's not around. She has been taken. And that's why she's communicating with you. Oh, have you got a particular set of skills? Skills you've acquired over a long career? I will find you, and I will sonic you. I will sonic um, you. You are taken to... You're taken to the Green Hill Zone. No, you're taken to this planetoid where you find the first time crystal in a base underneath the planet. <gasps> um, you vaguely interact with these alien races through recordings and stasis-like conversations uh you get a hold of an ai called emma which stands for emergency something something so it's the emma is her name and when you first greet her she's like oh it's you again thank goodness you're like okay this is weird um you get the first time crystal there you head to victorian london the next time crystal is contained within the cabinet of magnus greel currently in the hands of a collector called mr grail 
who only afterwards did I go, why does that ring a bell? And then I realised that's the name of uh, Mike McShane's character in The Angels Take Manhattan. Mm. So it's a it's an allusion to maybe that family over the generations have been... Or is it just an illusion? Ah! It's not Mike McShane voicing him, though. It's a shame. Uh, his, yeah, the cabinet of Magnus Grill is contained within his basement. After a series of elaborate puzzles that get down to the crypt-like basement, you realise it's also being guarded by his angels. Oh. Cue genuinely a terrifying sequence in VR. Um... You get the time crystal, and then you're sent to the last location, Metabilis 4, which, as the Doctor says as you're landing there in the TARDIS, uh, it's a good job it's not Metabilis 3. That's a shame it's not 1 or 2. They're brilliant. <laughs> and it's like, that's kind of a fun nod, but like, yeah, why have we never gone to Metabilis 1 and 2? On this planet is a temple to a being called the First. The First? The First Conscious Life Form in the Universe. Lies. That's what she was, that's what she is. She learned everything she could about being alive, except one thing. She never learned how to die. So she's always been around. And over the millennia and countless billions of years, she's witnessed humanity and other alien species, which she considers her children, because technically everything came from her in some way, um, to be sinful and horrible and ruining the universe. So she's planning to end it all. You get all of the time crystal after you find the Daleks are also looking for it on Metabilis 4. Uh, and then through some jiggery pokery timey wimey stuff, the time crystals are used in a ploy because the doctor set the whole thing up and she isn't actually imprisoned somewhere. Like she has to be at a distance to create this effect. Sends the first into a big old vortex, trapping her in a, a temporary state of suspended animation, which she will break out from. Which is why the doctor sends you back to the laundrette, taking Emma with her, and putting you back like a minute after the story began in the first place. Because until the Doctor can find a permanent solution, you're going to have to do this again and again. I think that was written as a clever sort of cheeky way to go, which means every time you replay it, it's not just a replay, you're technically doing it again. But it also makes me think, wait, the Doctor just picked a rando off the street and has forced them into this endless torture where they have to fight Daleks and weeping angels. That's and not like, very doctor That's really shitty. The game was received really, 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 really well because it was a fun VR experience. The Weeping Angel segment got particular praise and there's a there section in the Metabilis 4 Temple to the First where you take control of a Dalek uh, tank from the inside to fight your way through Daleks and drones. Well, of course. Fan Crystal. Of course. Hijinks ensue. Look at us walking around the TARDIS. Isn't this fun? Is it? Well, maybe it was. But it's 2021 remake slash sequel The Edge of Reality is a pile of shit. Oh, no. So, <laughs> disclaimer, Mace Theory also released another Doc 2 game earlier this year called The Lonely Assassins, which is oh, a mobile yeah. title and on console. It is, I say this with no hyperbole, the best piece of Doctor Who-like ephemera, like spin-off merchandise, spin-off mm. stuff, spin-off media that I've encountered in like 10 years. Okay. It, is, it is incredible. Like it's absolutely incredible. Really scary, really unnerving. And the amount of work that I think it's, uh, I think the writer's called, I think it's Gavin Williamson, something like that. I'm so sorry if I got your name wrong, dude. Sounds but right. like it, it, the level of detail in the message boards, the websites, even the terms and conditions of the things you look through on this phone. Mm. It's it's brilliant. It's so well done. It's fan servicey to some levels. It is a sequel to the story Blink, but doesn't require you even having watched it to get it or make it work. It's you know, full of the references people. Blink and you'll miss it. Ah, no, but like it takes the laws from the second Weeping Angel story into oh god, oh god, into effect. The laws of the second Angel story 
are in there. So through through the things you learn on the message boards, you will learn that the image that which contains the image of an angel itself becomes an angel, and there's evidence on this phone of something that's happened. So the phone starts to retaliate while you're playing. Um, that is incredible. The Edge of Reality has seen much delays. It was meant to come out toward the end of last year and then spring this year, and then it finally came out last week. Uh, week before last, when you guys are listening to this. The biggest problem with the Edge of Reality is it's not ready. It's far from ready. And when Maze Theory acknowledged online that they were looking at every complaint, every log on the Steam version, everything that people said, and they were working to patch it, I believe them. I believe they want to make a good game. I know they've done it because they did it with Lonely Assassins. I don't think a patch is going to fix this, which is why I've not talked about it on this pod until how, after. How much will a patch not fix it? Well, I, I replayed some of it after the patch came out. The first patch for the PlayStation version. PlayStation's apparently the most flawed version. Uh, there are still glaring errors and problems and little things that just, I think, have been What's overlooked. What's their excuse? Well, I think they've not said anything, but I think like with any any case of a smaller studio putting out an unfinished product, it's usually because the publisher has gone, get it out now. Considering, of course, it's getting out two weeks before Doctor Who returns to our screens. Oh, yes. yes. My, my wondering is, if it was meant to be due out toward the end of last year slash start of this year, how much did the coronavirus pandemic and the subsequent lockdowns affect the development of this game? Fucked it, mate. Fucked it right up. Edge of Reality isn't just Edge of Time again. Edge of Time is the first half of the game. It goes the same way, except there are some sequences missing. You don't escape the basement with the angels in, which is really bad because in the VR game playthrough I've watched that bit's fucking spectacular. Because you're suddenly at the end of in the lift waiting for it to power up whilst having to keep an eye on two separate corridors leading to you that are not in the same line of eyesight. So you have to keep looking down both. It's like some kind of really fucked up Five Nights at Freddy's sort of scenario. That, yeah. um, there are collectibles and extras in End of Time that don't show up in this. Uh, Edge of Time that don't show up in this. Like uh, They added a Time Lord Victorious patch, which was just a, you can explore a 10th, 9th, 10th Doctor console and, and you know faff around in VR. None of that's come over to here. Neither of the collectibles from that game. It's a whole new series of collectibles in this one. Um, the collectibles in question appear in a miniscope in the TARDIS. <laughs> um, Do, uh, does it come with Vaughan Schoener? No, but the Doctor does make a brief reference to you being able to use it uh, and sort of talking about how it's like, yeah, they're they banned on most planets or whatever, but this, that, and the other. And when you uh, the trophy you get for first using it is like this confounded machine or this wretched machine or something. One of the lines that um, the Doctor uses to describe it in Carnival of Monsters. And it's like, that's f- that. there is love in here. You can see it. Are there drashigs? There are no drashigs. Damn all, all the collectibles are bits and pieces from across the show's life. But they don't come with any descriptives. At one point, when you return to the laundrette at the start of the second half of the story, mm. I found a mobile phone, which was one of the collectibles. You know it's a collectible because you pick it up and it you see you can look at it and then it vanishes. It's not in your inventory. It's gone. So it's something that you were meant to collect for the miniscope. Everything else you pick up and it just gets added to your inventory, even if it's something you don't need to use or can't use. A byproduct of the VR version, where yeah. obviously you'd be clicking a button to pick up a thing and then letting go of the button and dropping it. Whereas in this, when you first played it, there were no instructions on what the controls were. Cool. There was no instruction. There was no menu. 
the control layout. How do you how do you get that far into development and not have a fucking control layout? I didn't know you could throw things until Metabilis Four. Because no one explained it to me. And suddenly we're there and I've got to try and distract a Dalek and Emma, who gets uploaded into your consciousness, you can hear her at all times, is saying like, throw, you've got to throw something to distract it. Throw it to distract the Dalek. You should throw something. What about those parts over there? And I'm like, what do you mean throw something? I can throw things? Um, yeah, you can throw this game out a fucking window. So I go back to the laundromat and I find a mobile phone. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Disappears, reappears in the miniscope. It's only a, about an hour later that I kind of click and go, is that meant to be Lawrence Nightingale's mobile from the game The Lonely Assassins? Because in that, you are you as a protagonist have found this missing phone, but it's implied immediately that someone has put it there for you to find. Yeah. The implication later being that it was the Doctor. So it's like, okay. But I only figure that out tangentially. The wallpaper's not the same. Mm. And nothing in the miniscope has a description. There's no, like, descriptions of what the things are. So you're staring at, like, a signet ring or, you know, an umbrella with a question mark handle or a freaking um, uh, uh, a battered red cricket ball. And you're like, what are these? Or a tet trap? No. <sighs> Alas. But, like, you know, we, we, we saddos, we look at these objects and go, oh, right, that's from that story, that's from that story, that's from that guy, that's that character's costume. And that. But it's like... If someone's playing this for the first time, this is their window into the show. This is the first time they've experienced it because they've seen it recommended on the store and they've gone, yeah, all right, I'll check it out. Mm. Like, you, you want to get them interested. Um, that first half should be perfect by now, but they remove sequences. Dialogue is missing. Yeah. So there's no explanation that you've uh, met Emma before other than, oh, thank God it's you. There's like just dialogue that doesn't appear. I have the subtitles on when I stream games. Yep. It's just easier for everybody, myself and the viewers included. Yep. And the subtitles would sometimes appear, if it was, say, a paragraph of dialogue, they would appear for three seconds, then it'd disappear. Mm. While the character's still talking. Um, so that's fun. That's real, real fun. Uh, puzzles are straightforward and uh, simple in some places. Where they're difficult is where the controls don't respond. It's one of those where for, to interact with someone, you have to wait for square interact <sighs> to appear in the bottom corner of the screen. And if it doesn't, you can't react with it, which proved an absolute fucking nightmare trying to get the uh, crystal out of the uh, cabinet of Magnus Greel when there's an angel right behind you and you've only got a split second. Because that's how it's set up. So you have a split <sighs> second to Jesus. turn and grab it. Like, that's as long as you've got before you're killed. Problem is, if you turn and it doesn't say interact, you can't fucking pick anything up. That's not been an issue on Steam, apparently. people You just click when you have the central cursor over the thing you need. Yeah. But still. Um, but still. But still, that's bad. That's throughout, bad. throughout the first half, this thing called a Cyber Reaper keeps fading in and out of existence in front of you in sure. different locations. Wow. And Emma tries to describe it to you, but she talks about it like you know what it is. Do you know what it is? And then when you finally meet it in the second half, she explains what it is. What? It's really weird. So... The way this is a sequel to Edge of Time is you're in the scene where the Doctor's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm really sorry, but you are going to have to like do this all over again. Some reading come through that like cause her to stop. And she takes you back to the laundrette because she has to go and see if what she's reading is true. Hmm. So you arrive at the laundrette and then the text starts to go wibbly. Something outside happens, it changes to a future again with her as Cybermen wandering around. And the 10th Doctor communicates with you. He's been nudged here by someone else because apparently he needs to guide you in something and he's just going to trust them in whatever it is. Mm. Um, 
Emma and you, of course, going like, but you're not the doctor. And it's like, did she send you? And he's like, no, well, wait, she? Oh. Oh. Oh, wait till I tell River. And it's like, okay, that's, like, fine. Um, mm. Problem is, when the 13th and the 10th Doctors are meant to appear on monitors in the game, on the PlayStation version, they don't. The only way I know they're on monitors is because if I go near them in my headphones, I can hear it coming from the monitor in the scene. That's an exclusive PlayStation glitch from what I know, but after the patch, still happening. PlayStation, it gets exclusive <sighs> glitches. Uh, yeah, so then the 10th Doctor guides you in getting to a Cyberman head and going on the Cybership and doing this whole mission on the Cybership where you meet the, ele- the 13th Doctor who's trying to figure out X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You eventually end in this reality that's breaking down. You traverse through the reality that's breaking down with the 10th Doctor to escape the Cyber Reaper, yeah. which is apparently a Cyberman that's made from different parts from throughout time and is this... <sighs> The legendary Cyberman, the blah, 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 blah. It was an excuse for them to do an interesting design. You might have seen it in the marketing for this game. Mm. Like, it's it's sort of a mix. You've got Telos stuff and Cyber stuff and Nightmare in Silver parts. And, like, you know, its head is like a tomb of the Cyberman head. And it's like, okay, it's sort of like it's compiled from different shit. What era is its dick from? Good question. I don't know. But uh, the way it moves is hilarious. It like jerks around. It looks hel- it looks stupid in game. It's so stupid. Brilliant. You then break down go this broke down reality, you meet the thirteenth doctor, and then the cyber uh, reaper tries to convince her that she is the greatest cyberman of all because her emotions have actually made her deadly. He's the on- he's the one cyberman that believes that your emotions are powerful because they turn you into killers, which is more efficient than Cyberman. Oh, so they're doing the whole you'd make a good Dalek thing again. Sort of. But then for some reason cool. it tries to show her cool, how cool, her cool, emotions cool, cool. can change the course of history. Cool. For some reason. Cool. And then we get a glimpse of a broken down timeline where we overhear a recording made by the Tenth Doctor in a timeline Mm-mm. where he stayed with Renette in The Girl in the uh, Fireplace. Sure, what? A lot of reviews and fan reaction to this game has said, that sequence is beautiful. Hmm. And I'm here to say, it's a beautifully performed monologue by David Tennant, but it doesn't belong here and it makes no sense. Hmm. It's a cool little fanfic, like, sort of, what if idea? Hmm. But you don't see anything. And you just get, like, some fan service of him mentioning older companions in a little throwaway line and stuff. He mentions Adric and the weight tenant puts behind mentioning Adric's name. Says Adric! A lot, says a lot about how much he cares about this world and this franchise and wants to go, Ooh, yeah, that's probably how he'd say it. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of... It's me, isn't it? Whoever plays Emma, she does a good job. Uh, Ajoa, uh, Martha's mum from Ajoa Series Ando. 3, Ajoa Ando, she plays the first. She does a fun job, but it, yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel as scary as it like it needed more vocal effects no, to sound kind yeah. of more cosmic yeah, yeah, yeah. but she does a good job with her jodie whittaker does a fantastic job with the <sighs> sort of mixed dialogue she's given sometimes she's way too jokey considering the situation is her dooming you to a never-ending loop of torture yeah weird that um That's a weird thing for- uh, mm. yeah and david tennant's got some kind of obvious lines but at this point he could play this role in his sleep so he and Jody do kind of keep the pacing of the story bits going along quite nicely because of their energy. Do you think he did? Do it in his sleep? Yeah. Probably during lockdown, yeah. He's yeah. just like, I'll just have a nap. Just, just t- Georgia, Georgia, just turn on the microphone. I'm going to have a sleep. I just, I'll, I'll do that. I'll just say what I'll just... <laughs> Madame de Pompadour. Um, 
Adric. <laughs> and I just snogged Adric. Um, hey, um, and love it. <laughs> and, and then you get out of there, you reset everything, you briefly talk with the 13th Doctor and Atard, it's a big projection of the 10th Doctor appears, and makes you realise that, oh, he really does not look good close up. And mm. then the game ends. Mm. Um, that sounds shit. This game doesn't texture pop, it texture nutters. Oh, good. It, it looks in good. many places like a late PS2 era title. And this is PS5. Uh, well, uh, P- it's technically PS4, Xbox, oh, Xbox, PS5. Uh, right, cool. Xbox One level console wise, cool. but it does run on Series X and S and, and PlayStation 5 Excellent. and over on Steam. In VR, softer textures don't tend to make much of a, a a negative impact on a VR game because it's more about the atmosphere, the flow and the pacing and, and the playthrough. Yeah, all right. Okay. Whereas um, it, on screen, it's like, nah, nah, brah. Some stuff looks crystal clear and crisp nah, as a bastard. Like when you first appear in Victorian London, the night sky looks fantastic. Mm. It's only after you walk around a bit that you realise that, oh, it's just kind of the same three streets in a, in a pattern to try and lead me up to this house. Mm. Uh, creatures like the Daleks and the Weeping Angels are rendered very, very well. Yeah. Uh, the Cybermen look glorious in un- like darkly lit corridors because their blue chest lights shine really nicely and reflect mm. off the metal of, their, of their, the surface of their bodies. Um... But just controls are a little. Uh, the puzzles are a bit simplistic, but frustrating to work out without any actual prompts. Okay. Like once you've got all the pieces, like oh this is easy, boom boom boom, done. But nothing kind of guides you. You only know you can interact with objects if you get right up to them and they glow white a little bit. But even then, the first level teaches you that that could just be a random bottle of bleach or a book or whatever, something that you'd pick up have stuck in your inventory and then be like, what do I need this for? I don't need this for anything. It doesn't tell you, obviously now there's a control mapping, but it doesn't tell you, the first time I played it, how to drop objects. Your inventory is five items big and one of those is always the sonic screwdriver. It took took me five minutes to realise I had to press down on the D-pad to just drop an object. That's not good. It's just like, what is this? What? Why is this a thing? That's the Sonic Screwdriver, if you bought the Deluxe Edition, or got the promo code for the Deluxe Edition, um, you get five sets of gloves and five sets of Sonic Screwdrivers to change between, so you can customise it a bit. All the gloves mm. have fun designs on the outside. Gallifrey and Seal, River Songs, ones used for archaeology stuff, a Cyberman-themed glove with like a, like a light on the back. <laughs> Problem is, the way their hand is positioned on screen, you never turn the hand that way because it's not in VR, so you never see the decal, so it's pointless cosmetics. Your hand basically just changes colour from this side, essentially. Uh, the Sonic Screwdrivers look good. Like they're all the modern ones. Problem is they all switch from their light that they actually have when you first equip them to the orange light of the current one when you use them and don't change back. Cool. Uh, they don't make their own sounds either. Um, they just make the same sound as 13s, which I know they're not that different, but... Half-arsed, isn't it? Half-arsed. Um, huh, uh, if you die, uh, you have sort of like a 30-70 chance of going back to a fair point. Um... Or even getting back at all without it crashing. Mm. If you leave the game at any point mm. um, and go continue from the main menu, yeah. it will take you back most times to the previous TARDIS sequence or the very start of the sequence you were in, regardless of cool. how far into it you were. Cool. All the collectibles you collected, for trophy's sake, you will have got them. For collecting them in game's sake, they will all be back be put back where they were cool. even though 
the game had clearly saved because as you were going around the levels, you had the little load thing in the corner. So for a PS4, PS5 like era game, for it for its auto save to be that lax is really disappointing. I suppose the question is, why are we devoting so much time to this game that is so bad? Because I want to basically warn people who listen to this and a lot of my Doctor Who fans, if you were thinking about getting this, don't yet. Like, really don't yet. Don't yet. And I don't want... But I also don't want May's theory to be in the shit for this because I have a feeling this was pushed out way beyond... Like, the fact that they are now working overtime to try and do all these patches... Yeah, that is ...tells you that they are not, like, on another project Mm. right away, Mm. which means that whatever their next gig is for a publisher probably hinges on this doing all right. Mm. And after I played The Lonely Assassins and anyone who's played, is it, was it Sarah's Gone Missing was the game they put out, the Lost Phone game they put out a couple of years ago. Oh, I have no idea. Like, after I played that and and, and, and I, they are good. They are really good. Lonely mm. Assassins is my favourite like indie game style game I've played in forever. It was three and a bit hours total to like completely max out and it was terrifying the entire time. Mm. And I want people to play that. So if you were thinking about playing Doc 2 The Edge of Reality, don't. Eh? Don't buy it. But, but spend half of, or even less than half, based on your platform, of that money on The Lonely Assassins and play that instead. Don't buy it, but buy my book. Yeah. What? No, no, I don't have a book. Matt, you blew up the pumpkin. Yes. It's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Yes. You've now got my germs inside you. We're setting a terrible example for the youth. Ah, good um, times. Love to terrible examples. For to you. be fair, though, we do make out all the time. You know what we're going to do now, though? No, no. We're going to put the pumpkin down. No. Look, okay, okay, okay. Let him live. Oh, no, because you meant to pinch the thing. You'll, you'll explode yeah. it if you do that. No, 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 actually, no. Why am I telling you how to deflate it? Let him live in exchange for telling everybody what you thought of the movie Halloween Kills. All right, I'll put the nib back in for now, yeah? <sighs> yeah he's only a little deflated. He's a little saggy. Well, a bit like Halloween Kills. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's spoiler the, free for a bit. But it's then we'll it's the sequel to 2018's Halloween, which is itself the sequel to 1977... 78. 78 Halloween. So this is also technically Halloween 3 in this series. Yes. Is that why this film contains direct references to Season of the Witch? There are silver shamrock masks in this film. God damn, they which are. Which are used to great effect. Mm. Oh no, I've pulled the pot. No! I want to have your breath in a bag. Okay, I'll put it back in there. Don't worry. So, picks up directly at the end of the events of Halloween 2018. Rather like Halloween 2 did back in the day. This is very (laughs) Halloween 2. In that a major part of the setting is the local hospital. Okay. A lot of it is set at the hospital. Okay. Because, of course, that's where um, Laurie and her daughter Karen and her granddaughter the other one the other one uh, are headed at the so, end yeah. of Halloween so, so tiny plot summation of the previous one it was a sequel to the original Halloween where a random scary killer shows up in a neighbourhood that he grew up Michael in Michael Myers is back oh, see, it's implied as the neighbourhood he grew up in in the, in the first one he goes back and he murders a lot of random people on Halloween yeah. night and Laurie Stroh played by Jamie Lee Curtis is the only one who survives to tell the tale yeah uh, well, and also uh, Dr. Loomis as well, I guess. Yeah! Um, Halloween 2018, the direct sequel to the first one. Yeah! Michael Myers breaks out of uh, like his penitentiary he's in. Yeah! During transit from one facility to another. Yep. He immediately strolls on back to... Um, oh, God, what's the, what's the location? Haddonfield. Haddonfield, that's it. Strolls back to Haddonfield, 
And uh, Laurie's like, oh shit, I've had nightmares about this day for the last 40 years. But I'm ready. But I'm ready, bitches. So other characters encounter him, including like a psychiatrist who turned out to be kind of like essentially evil Loomis. Evil Loomis. Like, that's not to say Loomis is forgiven or is a good good doctor, really, but you know. Well. Um, uh, And Michael goes on a killing spree and it ends with a Home Alone thing where he's lured to Laurie's like death trap house outside of town three generations of strode so laurie her daughter karen and her granddaughter allison oh, trap fight michael, off michael trap, trap him, michael, in, the basement, him in the basement set the place on fire and then fuck off and after after laurie's been stabbed yeah and then halloween kills picks up with laurie going to hospital for being stabbed yep and firefighters putting the fire out oh fuck and then all getting massacred by by michael myers by a, by a giant 70 year old but not before <laughs> Not before we get a flashback to the night on ni- in 1978 when he was apprehended. Oh! And in which Will Patton's deputy Hawkins, of course, because in, in the continuity, in the continuity, yeah, of uh, wait, is it a flashback from the film? Nope. Okay, so so this is in the continuity of these movies. Then he was this he was definitely after. grabbed at. at after the events of that movie. Because yes. that film ends with like, him seemingly in, dead this fills in those and blanks. he's not there this in the garden. Those blanks. Yeah, okay. It picks up with the, with the police officers looking for him after mm. Loomis has shot him. Right, okay. So, then... Yeah, we get some stuff. It picks up. I'm going to go to no spoilers before I get into the spoilers of this film. But basically, this is fine. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> and I, I don't I know love the it. The last trailer was suddenly full of... All these classic characters from the original, yeah, people like the nurse, coming back, and it's like, what do you mean classic? The and there's three the classic characters in that film: yeah. Laurie Strode, Doctor Loomis, and Michael yeah. Myers. The two kids who Laurie's <laughs> babysitting, and another one of the local kids who's um... now played by Dexter for reasons. Yeah, no, not Dexter, not Dexter. <laughs> is he not Dexter? No, it's not Dexter. He's in it, isn't he? No. Wait, you get in. You get in. Dexter. You are getting. Uh, Michael C. Hall confused with... Anthony Michael Hall. With Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, I'm getting my C. Halls mixed yeah. up. <laughs> and to see Michael Hall. Yeah. Uh, so... Not Dexter. And those others play grown-up versions of the kids. Uh, yeah. Is anyone reprising their role? Or is it yeah, mostly new so, actors? Because um, I guess for the kids, you could you could just cast anyone. Like, the, the to play two the that version. are reprising their roles are <laughs> Kyle Richards as Lindsay and Nancy Stevens as Marion. So Nancy Stevens is the nurse who gets attacked at the very start of the first film. Okay. In the car with Loomis. Yeah. And then Lindsay is the is the girl that Laurie's babysitting. Right. Okay. okay. So that's a thing. So I'm just bringing the, the DVD of the original over so we can look at it as a totem. Yes. The special feature is a trailer. A trailer. Yeah. Excellent. Um, it's got a sick John Carpenter soundtrack. It's got some cool characters in it that are cool until they die. Because a lot of characters die in this movie. A lot of people die in this movie. This has probably got the highest kill count of any Halloween movie. Stop deflating the pumpkin. Sorry, you sorry. Swine. The night he came home. Uh, so, there's some very, very inventive action and kills in this. The DVD fell over out of protest. And some decent scares. And it's trying to say something. It's trying to set to say, look at what happens to a small town when hysteria takes it over. Look at how quickly people be, want to hunt down 
someone and take justice into their own hands. Oh, that thing that was perfectly done in the Twilight Zone serial, The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street back in 1957, yeah. and no one has needed to touch it since because it was the perfect adaptation of the story of Small but Town guess Pirate. what we do? The exact same thing. Yeah. Does it end with some aliens on a hill observing it all going, ah, this species will be easy to conquer. Look at how quickly they turn on each See, other. See, that doesn't happen. Oh, well, already that I prefer the Twilight happen. Zone episode. Um... <laughs> Look, it's fine. It's a little baggy. It's got some good ideas, but doesn't always deliver on them. If you're there for like the sort of slasher movie joy of it, there's some great slasher moments. There's some really inventive kills. There's some really good like gore makeup and such. Um, and you know, it's Michael Myers doing Michael Myers things. Right, let's spoil it. But at the age of seventy. But at the age of seventy, let's spoil it. Yep, spoilers, spoilers. So. If you're not sticking around after this point, enjoy your hello scream, scream, Ken. You find out in an early flashback. Ooh, make a spooky noise. We've got to give him time. Right, so you find out yeah. in, in, in that early flashback. Wait, hang on, one of them's still here. Stop it! Oh, stop stop it. Hit me with the pumpkin. pumpkin! No! Stop it! Oh. Um, so you find out in an early flashback that um, Will Patton's character from Halloween 2018, uh, as a young deputy, he mentions that he was there when Michael got arrested and failed to kill him. So what what happened? What you see what happens is after he gets shot by Loomis, Michael goes back to his childhood house, and he's mm. just stood there looking out the window, which is apparently what he used to do all the time before he killed his sister and was and was taken into just psychiatric care the first window. time around. Yeah, yeah, and and. Hawkins goes in with his partner and then his partner gets jumped by Michael and he's being like held by Michael and Hawkins tries to shoot Michael and shoots his partner in the throat instead. Oh shit. And kills his partner. So that's his like personal trauma yeah. from that night. Not necessarily what Michael did but what Michael caused him to yeah. do. And his partner bleeds out but they capture Michael because Loomis turns up. So it's Loomis and all the police. Now, in, yeah, the trailer, we speculated on this when it first showed you get up. The Loomis trailer has Loomis on and the... You get um, doorstep Donald Pleasant's uh, sound alike so you don't and see then, him up close then yeah you do yeah is it CGI it's good whatever it is it looks like Donald Pleasant it looks good it's close enough for rock and roll man <laughs> and it doesn't look weird um, <laughs> and, and you find out that what actually happens was, was oh, we, haven't done, we haven't got a Donald Pleasant in the machine ah just <laughs> boot up the Peter Cushing like we've got that on a floppy disk so <laughs> Donald Ple- so That's the Carrie Fisher. You find out that what happened is <laughs> that the police were just going to stand by and let Loomis execute Michael there and then. Mm-hmm. But Hawkins stopped him. Right. Oh, that's his trauma. Yeah. Killed his friend and then has obviously sat for yeah. years on the fact that he let Myers live. Yeah. So, so was Loomis going to kill him? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Loomis was just going to shoot him, like execution style, shoot him in the back of the fucking head. Hmm. Although whether that would have worked or not is thrown oh. into doubt by the events of the film. No. So. No. Right. So for those who don't know, the original Halloween series is about a human being who is just a murderer. And he murders. He's silent. He's he's seemingly unkillable in the sense of like. I mean, he gets thing, shot in thing, the chest multiple yeah, times. This thing close keeps range, coming back, and he gets up and disappears. But he is ultimately like, the idea is it's just like no, he's that devoid of humanity that pain is nothing to him. Like he doesn't care. 
he, he just wants to kill because it makes him happy, because it fulfills something. We don't know. We're trying to figure it out, but he's a bad, bad thing. And like Loomis and other characters refer to him as basically, he is evil. He is evil incarnate. And basically, what's... But then as the series goes on... What's happening here is yeah. the survivors of that original attack oh. basically whip up a lynch mob with the mantra that evil dies tonight because it's been made clear that Michael's been running around killing loads of folk. Mm. Do they do they go where the original series does? No. Because that's the thing I was worried about you were going to say because we'll the original there. series goes... We'll get there. Goes full occult, doesn't it? Like he's the he's the child born of a cult, and he's possibly got the devil in him. Yeah, and... there's not none of that shit. Good. Okay, we're, that's we, that's what so I was worried we, about. We also find out that there's another escapee from the bus crash that where he escaped. Yeah, who, there, there were more than like him on that who, bus. Who, of course, in the course of the film, is mistaken for Michael while he's while he's seeking medical attention at the hospital. Okay. Um. And despite the efforts of Karen and Laurie mm. to stop the mob led by Tommy Doyle from right. the original, yeah. um, they this poor psychiatric patient who everyone thinks is Michael is driven to suicide throws himself out of the window of the hospital when he can't when he's trapped Shitting by them. hell. Um, so that's where they go with hell. that. They assume he's Michael. Yeah. Is he like seven foot tall and not talking? No. But no one so, knows what he looks like without his mask. True, I suppose. Oh god. Ugh. So that happens. Um Laurie spends the entire film in the hospital. Oh fuck off. One of the strengths of the of the, the twenty eighteen movie was going, Hey, do you not be really cool for this horror movie? The this blockbuster horror movie that's gonna put butts on seats, allowing a woman in her sixties to be the protagonist. Yep. And then in this they just go well, we've done that. You sit over here. Who's the protagonist? This is not a daughter? Kind of, but not really. Sort of a granddaughter? Kind of, but not really. Sort of Tommy. Is it the mom? Like, sort of. Like, it's sort oh, of that's Tommy. A shame. It's sort of Karen. It's yeah. sort of. Um, uh, what's her name? Alison. Mm-hmm. Um. They do actually spend some time dwelling on the on the idea that, you know, on the sort of their grief that their dad's dead, but her dad's dead, her husband's dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Michael killed them. Um, but it it do, it, yeah. There isn't really a central character. It's more of this film has a bunch of ideas. Um, there are some very fun side characters though. Like there's a gay couple. There's a gay couple called Big John and Little John, who live together. Oh, that's and, an adorable name. And they live in. Michael's old house. <clears throat> oh. So, of course, as the night goes on... <clears throat> yeah. And you keep going back to him, you realise that Michael's coming back to that house mm. and they're just sitting there waiting for him. But they're quite... They're, they're a fun pair of characters mm. who uh, just... If you don't if you don't like eye gouging, you don't want to oh, see... Oh, no, you don't Big John and Little John. You don't want to see Big John's death. God damn it. And, uh... And, uh... But also, Michael's got this... Has now developed this... Well, you see it in the original where he poses the victims. Yeah. So yeah. there's that moment in the in the moment in the trailer where he attacks the old couple in the house, mm-hmm. and then he he stabs the woman in the throat with the with the broken light fit in. Yeah. He then like he, so she's like sitting in the corner bleeding out from this throat wound, and while she's watching, 
he drags her dead now dead husband over to the kitchen table, throws him over the table, and just takes every knife out of the knife block and just stabs him with it and just pin cushions this poor fucking guy while his dying wife's watching. Jesus. Like so Christ. it really got it really it really goes on the the <clears throat> The, ma- the malice, the cruelty of Michael. He kills to feel something. So, Alison's boyfriend from Halloween 2018... Yeah. He's in this. He's the son of uh, Lonnie. He's another one of the kids from the original. Um, they both get killed towards the end of the movie. Um, and the way that he kills uh, Cameron, the, the, the Alison's sort of boyfriend, um, who has like a real uh, face heel-face uh, heel turn in this, of like, trying to be... Like trying to do good, mm-hmm. um, he kills him really slowly, like beating him to death, like getting his neck on the, like pulling him through the banister of the stairs, and it. But he's there's a wonderful moment where he's about to like twist this guy's head all the way around, but he stops to make sure Allison's looking, oh. and watching him. Oh yeah, okay, that's and it's it. like okay, all right, yeah. this is neat. This is we're, we're going with this. We're playing on the cruelty of Michael here, mm. um, and this sort of like he's there's a sense that he is that he does it to fuck with people, like mm. he deliberately fucks with people. Um, and then, yeah, there's Which, just to be fair, yeah, the DNA's in the first one for that, yeah. like him leering ominously at people well, he, in broad he, daylight and everything. Like, is he uses good. his sister's headstone and poses one of the victims with the headstone and all yeah. that good shit. And he come he comes in with the sheet over him and the glasses from the guy he's just killed. Yeah. In that first, yeah. So there is there is there that is stuff that's there and they play on it in this one. I really just want to put that um, on now. Watch. Yeah, it's fucking good though, isn't it? Uh, Judy Greer's great as Karen. However, ah. So the movie ends with um, Karen tricks Michael, stop stops her from killing stops him from killing Allison. Mm-hmm. tricks Michael into following her where he's cornered by a mob of the townsfolk all armed mm-hmm. led by Tommy Doyle right and she's like yeah fucking have him he's he's, there, he's down on the floor she stabs him oh and the sheriff from the original who's one daughter is one of the victims he's back in this same actor oh okay fucking Jesus. ancient dude yeah so she fucks she stabs Michael and she's like leaves into the mob as soon as she fucks off Michael proceeds to not only tank a few hits, mm-hmm. but then get up and completely demolish the entire mob one by one. What? Like he just like, takes. I out... know he's brutal and I know he's cruel, but he's also like sneaky. He takes out this entire... and takes people out in quiet situations where yeah. no one's around to help them. Yeah, he's not Superman. Like he's not gonna beat he the fuck out of everybody takes in one on go. Everyone, he gets shot in the chest. Like, like that three would that times. would be a, that would be oddly. Divorcing ourselves from the fact this is part two of three, yeah, or part three of four, like yeah. that'd be a perfect end for him if the end of it was then that look what he drove everyone to do, yeah, like a town became a pack of murderers, and everyone's to fucking, deal with him, and then it's the whole thing of like they're left to sit yeah. and stew on that, everyone's but instead no, he takes them all on out. him, yeah, and then he just like no sells it and starts <laughs> fucking taking him out, like. Cuts yeah. one guy's like Achilles tendon, and he like, uh, he jumps up and cuts the throat of the old sheriff, 
who's like now the security guard for the hospital, but yeah. he's not, he's still not gotten over his daughter's death at the hands of Michael and stuff. So he's one of the people leading the lynch mob. Yeah. Um, and then that'll be why that actor did it, being old as balls. He's like, yeah. you know what? No one's offering a part to someone my age with that much like juicy yeah. material to work with. I'm there. He's getting hit by <laughs> two by fours and, and shit. And Tommy's got this baseball bat. Mm. He's fucking wailing him on it. And he ends up killing everyone, Tommy included. Mm. Um, he's already, he kills Marion earlier, the nurse from the original. He kills her earlier. Um, I don't think he kills um, the girl from the first one who's now all grown up. Nearly. She yeah. manages to hide from him. This really tense scene where she's like hiding on the riverbank predator style. Yeah. And he's like on the bridge over the river in the park. Just like and you just hear the thud, thud, thud of his work boots. Yeah. He's like, is he gonna come back and see her? Is he gonna leave her? No. No, I'm gonna go. Just fucks right. Is off. he gone? No, he's gone, he's done with it. This is after he's fucking brutally murdered a car full of people, including Marion. Yeah. Like a young couple that come with Tommy and his gang to help. Like stabs one of them under the eye, ah. in a wonderful kill. And then the other, the other one, the woman who's actually like she's got a gun, she's got experience shooting. She comes to shoot him. He kicks the car door open, and so she turns the gun back at him and shoots herself in the head. Jesus, Christ. it's a wonderful moment. Like, like <laughs> what a weird description. Moment. We like, know what you mean. But like the choreography as of an it, execution, execution of is a like, horror oh, moment. Fuck. And all a right, yeah. yeah, it's great. It's great. <laughs> and then he leaves all the bodies posed on the. The merry-go-round in the park with the masks on, with the silver shamrock masks on. Um, and when he kills Big John and Little John, he leaves the bodies posed, like matching a picture that they've got of themselves on the mantelpiece. Oh, that's like, creepy. He's, yeah, it's, it's creepy. Um, but during all this, Laurie and Hawkins, so Sheriff Hawkins survives. He get, you know, he gets his throat cut by the, yeah. the doctor in the in the 2018 one. Yeah. He, he's found by Cameron, the and uh, Alison's boyfriend, yeah, who managed to stabilise him long enough to get the paramedics to him. So it ends up that um, Hawkins and Laurie are just sharing this hospital room. They're all mates. You get to see Will Patton and Jamie Lee Curtis just chatting Shooting each the other. shit. Yeah. He's got his fucking throat all patched up and she's like, um, she does. <laughs> she does try and leave the hospital and join the lynch mob when she thinks that Mike, when everyone mistakes that prisoner for, for Michael. Yeah. Then when she realises it's not Michael... Yeah. She fucking tries to stop the lynch mob and ends up getting barged and split her stitches. Ah! So then she's like, she's fucking out of it again for the rest of the film. And um, this horrible, horrible surgery scene early on, like of her being like stabilised and patched up. Hmm. Uh, So yeah, they do good stuff with it. Um, (laughs) So they're just, and also there's some dialogue that implies that Hawkins and Laurie had a thing Okay. After the events of the first film, and possibly Karen might be Hawkins's kid. Okay, but yeah, because they never touch on yeah on her, her like her, yeah. who her partner was when but she had. There's an implication Karen. that they had a sort of fling. Okay. Um, afterwards, right. um, I mean, yeah, you've just been through a massive life or life or death scenario. Yeah. Well, he would have been a bit older because he was like a rookie cop, and she was like high school, like high school senior. But it would it would have been a couple of years after that. Yeah, it was at a bar. It was at like the local bar. Oh yeah, which, which is uh, old enough to like yeah, go out and drink. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, so that's an interesting little tidbit. Um, so Michael just that's a kills... bit of subtle world building. That's nice. Yeah. That's, that's the nice yeah. kind. Michael kills this entire fucking mob. Yeah. Goes back to his house. Jesus. So while Karen is looking out, kicks the, down Big John, uh, Little John. Well, like, well, get out of the way. No, he's already done that. 
No, he just kicks the model, but, he kicks the post over. He's like, ah. But this is after asked. the police and like and Alison's gone to the hospital. Karen's there in his room, looking out the window, being like, oh, he's finally gone. And then he just fucking appears behind her and stabs a shit out of her. Oh. So Judy Greer's gone. Karen gets killed at the end of the movie. Yep. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. That's how it ends. Well, it's not how it ends. Well, next it year kills. in Halloween um, ends. So I ends, think David yeah. Gordon Green has said that the, the Halloween ends is set a couple of years after Halloween Kills. Oh, that's mm, because the movie okay. ends with Michael still on the loose and Karen being murdered. See, that's interesting as well because these two were shot concurrently. They were shot back to yeah, back. Yeah. So for them to, but, you'd assume then that it'd be similar locations. But it gives and, time. Yeah. For Will Patton's character and Jamie Lee Curtis's characters and Alison's character to like recover and get out of the hospital because Alison's mm. so towards the end of the movie in their final confrontation, Michael knocks Alison down the stairs in the house and she breaks her la- and she breaks her ankle. Fuck. Okay. So, um, the only thing that stops the only thing mm. that stops her from, from being killed by is, Michael is Karen turning up. Yeah. And then then leading Michael to the mob. Of, of people um, I liked it I liked it quite a lot okay. it's got a bleak as fuck ending like yeah. it's, it's way more nihilistic than either the original or the 2018 mm-hmm. one it is incredibly violent like really graphic shit like the, the and it is it does push Michael from being like a stealthy slasher killer to just this complete inhuman tank rampaging his way like the, when he takes out the entire fire uh, firefighting team yeah it's like the top kills end. the guys and he's got that fucking axe tool and he's hitting people in the face with that and then he's turning the guy's saw back on him on back on himself it's like the the first thing they try and do is they turn the high pressure hose on him to, to slow him down and he's just walking into the stream of water Jesus just Christ. being battered with this high pressure hose and he's not even slowing down he's gonna bruise and he doesn't give a shit yeah he doesn't give a fuck <laughs> next that, morning he'll be like why does my tummy hurt in that oh fire, yeah I took a high pressure hose to the stomach. In that final mob scene, just like in the, like the end of the original <laughs> film, he gets shot in the chest three times. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even flinch. It's mad, man. So there is a bit of dialogue that is, is in the trailers as well where Laurie is like, he is pure evil. It's, it's like the more he kills, the more he transcends, the stronger he gets. Mm-hmm. But that's just her musing on it. They don't actually yeah. do anything. That's see, that's why I was worried that. that they were going to be like. So they might be going surprise, in that direction. Cult is a part of it. If they're doing it, they be. I don't think they're doing any cult stuff or anything. It's just like he's. It's just the way Michael is. Like the more he kill, the more people he kills, the stronger he gets. He's the unstoppable force and the immovable yeah. object. Yeah. yeah, he's just. Re- you just can't kill him. Um, yeah, what so, happens when an unstoppable force meets a movable object? It Michael put, Myers it puts on a boiler suit. Yeah, and calls itself Michael Myers. Um, you, they, they do some good stuff with his mask being pulled off, but again, you never get a clear look at his face. Mm. He's always in shadow. Because it'll, it'll always be a disappointment. It'll always be pointless. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the, the whole point of it is like to to look at his face would be to see that he's mm. human, and, like, and that's not... that's what's kind of frightening about him is the mask is almost comforting. Like it's like you... for the things he's doing, it has to have this yeah. unflinching, weird face for you to accept that, like. Yeah, that's possible because if you had to for one second look at him and go, oh, that's a, a human being is yeah. doing this, that's the real horror. Yeah, of course he never speaks still. Stage, it's like, oh, you hear his breathing. Yeah. Is it still um, two actors as well? The the guy who played him originally and, and the uh, the body double playing him as well? No, it's... Uh, so the guy who plays him is... Well, there's two. There's the present day and the flashback one. So the guy who plays him in the present day is the same one who played him in 2018. It's... Um, 
Because the, the OG Michael Myers is in some shots in the 2018, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. So Nick Castle, mm-hmm. um, he plays him in... Uh, he's like, like the old Michael. So like when he, whenever he's um, unmasked and yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, And like... He's I, guess, I, guess, I guess as well, whenever they've got hero shots, yes. maybe, they might favour him just to... Yeah, physicality wise, let him really emote through his through and, his stillness and whatnot. And he's always in shadow and stuff, but mm. you can see that they've done some makeup work onto like his milky eye from when he gets killed, when he gets the eye in the first one, and now yeah. he's obviously burnt because mm. the fire. Um, James Jude Courtney plays him is like the stunt Michael, yeah, and like the action Michael, the shape. Action Michael. Um, Action Michael, and then he's the, a hero. In the flashbacks, Aaron Armstrong plays the shape because, of course, he's slighter and younger. Yeah. yeah. Um, so who's who's OG Michael? I'm just wondering whether or not he got... Well, is it, is I think it is actor? Nick Castle. Yeah. Uh, do, do, do. Let me double check. Uh, yeah, it's Nick Castle. Yeah, Nick Castle. There it is. Yeah, because in the, in, the, in the first of these new ones... Halloween 2018. Yes. In that one, he played him in several shots, like, yes. like you said, the unmasked shots, but also like there was some, some moments where like he was playing him, yeah, fully costumed well, as well, because yeah, is... they just kind of wanted that, you know, coincidentally shape, yeah, like they sort of wanted that. So there. he's returned. is he still credited as the shape? Yeah, he still credited him as and James Jude Courtney and Aaron Matthews who plays him in the flashbacks. They're yeah. all credited as the shape. Good. Um, I like that consistency because it's creepy, and it is still you know. <laughs> A, a long title sequence with all the credits over the Halloween music, or obviously a new conversion of it, and a pu- several pumpkins, a lot of them burning, lots of burning pumpkins. Okay. So you're picking up one thing from it. Um, yeah, I I liked it, but it's not perfect, and it's not got that sort of impact mm. that the the 2018 Halloween had. Um, but I liked quite a lot of it, mm. to be honest. Uh, it is baggy. It's got a couple of plot some points where you're just like, oh, hang on, what? What? Run that by me again. Um, but it is... It's a good time at the cinema. It's a good horror movie. Good slasher. Uh, I'm not a huge slasher fan, so... Clickbaity headline sites have said that it makes a bold statement about Trump-era politics and specifically the January 6th uh, insurrection... And also, like, slightly makes reference to like the pandemic. Is that true, or is it more in more there's, in the mentality of the the finished product? Because again, this movie line... was completed before twenty twenty one. There's a line. This somewhere... movie was this movie was meant to like be put yeah. on big screens last yeah. October. There's so, a there's a know. line somewhere in there about Michael being the virus that infects Haddonfield, like, and the the hatred. The, and the fear that if that's what if, yeah. what if they're reading into that as a reference yeah, to yeah. COVID, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's just clickbait bullshit. It's just a reference to how viruses. There's work. nothing it's else not... in there that will that could be construed as like a COVID oh, that's metaphor. So weird. And the same with like the Trump era stuff in the January sixth. It was like it's hate mobs mm. in general. It's not. There's nothing about it that is specific to that allegory. Yeah, it's not like um, it's not like Laurie's just turned to the camera suddenly and gone, wow. Only a bunch of dicks would storm yeah, a building yeah. like that. And, but also, Karen and Laurie are complicit in that mob until they realise that it's not Michael. Yeah. Yeah. 
Again, that's why that, that's most... why I wonder whether or not we've got an alternate version of this where this is the last one and he dies and yeah. it's that whole thing of oh shit. Like yeah. what the hell have we become? Like it, it, the whole town essentially has undergone what mm. Laurie has undergone in forty years. Like she is not that bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. No. The world is her oyster. Well, the implication like, is that the yeah, that the entire town the is one. like that now. Yeah, it's sort of scarred by this by this thing. And it'd be almost that like that that you know age-old story of like you get the thing you finally wanted, yeah. revenge. Then what? At what cost? Like, yeah. at what cost? Like, what, um, what has become of you? And also, how the hell do you just... Like, you've all spent four decades dreaming of this moment. And now what is what? the cost? The cost is Karen and Tommy mm. and all the people in the, in the mob who get killed by Michael. Yeah. Like, he, he must kill 20-odd people And in all of this, because a pair of fucking podcasters wanted an interview. I know, right? <laughs> Podcasters are the true evil. They're the true evil, which is why you should definitely not support them on patreon.com slash bigdamncast. Definitely not. Keeping in mind that if we get three new patrons before the deadline of November the 1st, whatever tier you choose, we will do a commentary of Diana the Musical. Fucking hell. It will happen. So you'll have to keep keep an eye on the inbox for that one and let me know if they get in. Remember folks, remember folks, just three. If any of you listening right now are like, yeah, I want to hear these guys talk about Diana the no, Musical. don't do it. Just three of you. That's all it takes. Don't do it. Patreon.com slash BigDamnCast. That'll be the true Halloween special. No, don't do it. You can also follow occasional streams at twitch.tv slash BigDamnStream. You can follow us for all bullshit on Twitter, BigDamnCast. Yeah. Uh, you can even tickle our pickles on YouTube. All of our content goes up on the Big Damn channel. Don't ever do that. Don't ever tickle our pickles. Uh, and now... It's actually illegal in some countries. To play us out, uh, Matt is going to recreate the theme for Halloween on this deflating pumpkin. Now nah, that's too accurate. John Carpenter's going to copyright oh, strike us. No. I'll have to let the air out.